What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito back with episode 12 of the Gino Spirito podcast. I hope you all are having a great Wednesday, January 27th. Um, today actually marks the end of my first week of my second semester of junior year. Um, comes to find out that I actually have two asynchronous courses this semester. I am in uh, six classes total, 18 units, but... Um, you know, going into the semester, I thought there would only be one class that I would not be able to uh, have a Zoom lecture for, um, but there were a couple of other courses that I had signed up for that do have times, but our, my professors um, opted out of um, having those lectures and um, just having, you know, assignments that are due kind of making the Zoom time that uh, we signed up for more of an office hours setting. Um, so yeah, as long as you stay on top of your work, on as long as you stay on top of uh, everything else, um, then you should be good to go. Uh, which, you know, it's it's good in the long run. I, I, I think, you know, it's more time to, um, you know what I mean? Keep, keep myself accountable, hold myself accountable, uh, make sure I'm on top of everything. Um, and, you know, just, just push myself that much more. Um, I think this semester is going to go great. I had a, I had a good first week. I, I really am enjoying my classes and really in, enjoying my professors so far. So I, I really hope that it only, you know, gets better, only continues as I get further into the semester. I know it's just syllabus week at the moment, but uh, it's definitely nice to have a good start where uh, you, you seem – it seems as if each year classes are definitely worth your time and you want to be there to learn more. You want to, you know, you have the motivation and drive to push yourself because um, it, it just makes it that much harder if you don't have that due to other circumstances. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited about this semester. Uh, but, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Um, you know, I, I first want to touch on um, it's somehow already being a year since the uh, tragic accident that uh, took Kobe Bryant, uh, Gigi Bryant, and uh, seven others in a awful um, helicopter crash. Um, you know, just thinking back on um, the fact that it's only been a year, you know, it's gone by so fast, yet I feel like so many things in my life personally have happened since then. You know, I'll, I'll always remember where I was on, on January 26th of, um, of 2020 when I, when I heard the news, um, you know, it, I was at my house. I was uh, actually with my daughter um, and uh, with my family. We had her on a Sunday and I had gotten notification on my phone just before I was going to uh, drop her back off and uh, head back up to school actually. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's all I could think about. It's, it's, um, you know, on that whole entire train ride, how, you know, this icon, this legend, uh, was, was taken from us so fast, you know, this, this man who, you know, was, was invincible really to a lot of people my age, a lot of people that followed basketball and loved basketball their entire life. Um, you know, just an inspiration to, so many, you know, I, I mean, I remember just reading every single news article that you could even think of and, you know, just trying, I think, to come to terms with it, you know, trying to accept that that was 
reality that Kobe Bryant had tragically died uh, the way he did. And, you know, he was no longer with us. Um, I think that was definitely, I think once Matt Miller passed away, I truly thought that there would be very few celebrities um, that would, uh, you know, die. And uh, it would hit me as hard as it did with Matt Miller. Um, and Kobe was definitely the first one after that to really hit me as hard as, as hard as it did, you know, from the outside, uh, maybe he was, uh, just, you know, one of the best basketball players that's ever played. And, um, you know, to people that don't really understand the, the full, um, value in the full potential, I mean, not the full potential, but the full, um, person that he was outside of the basketball court yeah maybe exactly that's exactly what he was he was one of the greatest basketball players to ever play but I mean the impact that he left on the world in terms of storytelling um his attention to detail uh the mamba mentality that's just been adopted um and taken off really um even more since he's passed away um being a girl dad being proud to be a girl dad and you know just so much more and it's really remarkable to think about how much more he could have even given the world. You know, I, I, I know it's, of course it's sad. Of course, uh, he had so much left to give to the world still. But, you know, when you think about it, it it's it's as if, you know, like what else was he supposed to give? It's he gave so much and it's just remarkable what he was able to accomplish in his life. Um, you know, it, you know, like I said, obvious, you know, accomplishments on the basketball court, but just outside as well. I mean, he, he won an Oscar the first year he was out of basketball. He created uh, the Mamba Academy. He was a coach now. He was. You know, he, he just, you know, he was creating um, his detail show uh, where he would go over NBA film. Um, he was uh, writing books. He had just, um, he was in the process of releasing his second book. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. And um, I think the thing that I'll be able to take away the most from, you know, Kobe Bryant's Mamba mentality um, was definitely the attention to detail. And how much you give to something that you love and something that you want. Because, um, you know, the, at the end of the day, that is the best way and the only way to attack each and everything that is placed in front of you. You know what I mean? Whatever your idea of perfection is, whatever you're chasing, whatever your dreams are, each and every day, uh, the attention to detail that you must have to continue to strive for that you know like what's the point of living when you're not giving it all when you're not putting your best ability out there you know we all have the capability to do whatever we desire um and it, it's really at the end of the day our job to continue to strive for anything we could possibly think of you know regardless of what's going on um as Kobe said, um, you know, have a good time. Life is too short. Don't get bogged down. You have to keep moving. You have to keep going. 
put one front one foot in front of the other and smile and just keep it rolling you know it's inevitable that life is going to get hard and there's going to be so many downs that come with all of the ups that you could possibly face in your life but at the end of the day that's life that's what's going to happen you have to continue to you know swim through that wave you have to continue to push yourself regardless of what's going on like he said regardless of all of the outside factors that could be possibly going on in your life you know cuz once you give up once you give in to all those factors once you allow other things uh, to control um, the person you are and what you stand for that's exactly when you start to fail that's exactly when you start to shut down and that's just not what you want in this life so you know if you're gonna do it do it to your best ability as Toby Bryan said and that's uh, definitely what I feel as if I could take uh, from him the most um, you know I always remember where uh, where I, w I always remember where I was and how I felt when Kobe dropped 60 in his final game, uh, when the Lakers came back from down 17 in game seven to the Celtics to win it, uh, to win in 2009. Um, you know, when Kobe was finally able to pick up a damn MVP trophy, even though he got snubbed so many years. And, you know, there's so many other memories that I have and the feelings that I of, of just straight joy, you know, being able to watch Kobe and the Lakers. But, you know, the most important thing that I have vowed to push that I have gained from Kobe's legacy is, you know, of course, all of those things. Of course, all of the memories of on the basketball court at Staples. But, you know, everything that I've already talked about, being the best version of you for the sole purpose of yourself, in your own identity, in your own mission in life, whatever that is, everybody has their own. Nobody else is is more valuable than yourself. Nobody else. Nobody matters more than you. And, you know, I, I thank Kobe for the impact and the legacy that he has left, for the lessons that he has been able to give to the world in the short time that he was here and yeah it, it's very sad it's very tragic but r.i.p kobe r.i.p gg r.i.p all the others that were lost on january 26th 2020 what a tragic day that was but um onto some onto some other nba um onto some other nba news um i actually thought this was interesting uh if as a lot of I don't know if a lot of you guys saw, but uh, Shaquille O'Neal, um, he's now the host of the uh, NBA on TNT, uh, recently got into a little bit of a scuffle of a scuffle with Donovan Mitchell, um, and a lot of people followed it with criticism, and he responded to that saying that I know what greatness is, you know, ain't nobody playing, ain't nobody that's playing has done what I. What I've done, besides LeBron and Steph Curry, I have G14 classification to say what I say. You better Google me. And as like I said, he did say that in response to a lot of the people that 
you know, we're saying that he's being too hard on this young generation uh, in response to not only Donovan Mitchell, but James Harden as uh, he left for the Nets. And Shaq had some uh, words to say about that as well. Um, but in my honest opinion, I, I honestly think people are, are, are looking into this too much. You know, like, does Shaq have a point that he has... Uh, a resume that speaks louder than literally 99% of the NBA besides LeBron and Steph Curry. I mean, even I feel like he, he even has a better resume than Steph. I think LeBron, if LeBron were to retire right now, he probably has a better resume than Shaq. But, you know, four-time NBA champion, three-time finals MVP, 15-time All-Star, the MVP of the 2000, you know, the 2000 uh, season, you know, seventh all-time in points, and I mean, if this man actually could make a free throw and he didn't play the later part of his career dealing with injuries uh, because he didn't take care of his body that well when he was younder, and I mean, he could probably be top four in scoring, top five, um, but you know, I, I don't even feel like that that even matters. That list goes on and on and on for Shaq. And his resume disputes for itself. Like, he was genuinely the most dominant player to probably ever play in the NBA. I don't know if we'll ever see another Shaquille O'Neal type of dominance. I feel like, you know, the game is changing. The center position is changing uh, in terms of uh, dominance. So I don't know if we'll ever see, like, a Shaquille O'Neal force in the paint the way he did it. But, you know, you have to realize that on top of all of his resume and you know, whatever accomplishments he may have, as I just mentioned, he literally has a job to say his opinion each and every night. That's his job on NBA TNT. You know, I don't feel like he has an agenda. I don't feel like, you know, to, to like ruin or to cause havoc on, uh, you know, the younger generation of NBA players or try to start any beef or or drama. I don't think he has an agenda to do that. I don't I feel like his legacy on the court speaks volumes, you know. If we're talking about maybe Paul Pierce and some of the weird stuff he says sometimes, it's kind of hard to know if he's just being bitter or if he genuinely thinks that. But at the end of the day, I don't feel like Shaq should have any bitterness um since he's not playing anymore and like maybe jealousy. I feel like his his like I said his resume is just so far-fetched to even reach as an NBA player that, you know, he, he doesn't need to have an agenda. Um, you know, could he be less harsh? harsh? Uh, I mean, maybe. But like I said, he has a job to cover the NBA. And I believed that his resume has given him the opportunity to be brutally honest in his own right. Dude, does that mean that everything he says is correct? No. Does that mean that we have to give in and, you know, allow each and every comment by Shaq to, or if it's, you know, if it's about one of our favorite players to like react to it? No, Shaq is just covering the NBA. I don't think that he's being disrespectful. I think it's just more of him speaking how he sees it, speaking what his honest opinion is on it. You know, I don't think there's any reason why we need to think any further into it. You know, he's an ex NBA player that still covers the league, um, but he's not just an ex NBA player that had a 
you know, just a average shooter. He is Shaquille O'Neal, the one of the most dominant players ever, you know. So I, I, I don't know. I, I truly think that he can say what he wants, what he feels. I feel like he earned that respect. Um, and I just think that there's no point of, of thinking about it any further than that. Um, yeah. In uh, later news, uh, we actually won Monday nights 115-108 against the uh, Cavs on uh, the road. We improved to a franchise record 10-0 and on the road. LeBron James follows Anthony Davis's homecoming game that was great, 37-point effort, with his own homecoming game that was just phenomenal. 46 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 blots, 2 steals, 7 threes. 21 points in the fourth quarter. You know, what a, what a game by him. And what a mistake by the Cavs front office member. Um, for, for those of you who did not see, as I, as I just said, the LeBron, LeBron dropped uh, 21 in the fourth quarter. And a video surfaced after the game where a Cavs front office member um, who was sitting courtside to the game was clapping and standing up very loud as LeBron missed um, the last shot of the third quarter. And the video, um, in the video, you can see LeBron look over at him and kind of do a double take. Like, are you really clapping in my face right now? It was just the end of the third. And he just shakes his head, you know. I took that personal as uh, Michael Jordan in the Michael Jordan meme would say. Um, and LeBron, after the game, said it. he felt that he was a little too excited to see him miss. And, yeah, he definitely, what a mistake, like I said, by that front office member as he did, you know, drop 21 in that final frame to uh, push the Lakers ahead of this uh, Cavs team that is looking very good, very hungry. Um, like I said before, I would not be surprised in the slightest if this young, hungry Cavs team snuck into the playoffs, uh, you know, a 5-8 through eight seed in the East and possibly you know, pushed a higher seed to six or seven games. I mean, even I wouldn't even be surprised if they won a series, if you want me to be brutally honest. If they keep playing the way they do, I know it's still early on in the season, but, you know, it, it's I love the chemistry between the guys. Colin Sexton is stepping up, playing tremendous. Um, you know, you've got a lot of young guys um, uh, that have been, you know, around the team for a few years now and then you add a piece like Andre Drummond uh, who had 21 and 17 the other night uh, it just makes it that much easier for a lot of those guys you know I, I think it alleviates a lot of stress um, and that's why you see a guy like Colin Setston be able to have the year he is um, because yeah he, he probably you know in the grand scheme of things he definitely is still you know the uh, number one guy on their roster or you know, in, in a clutch situation, like they're probably going to go to Colin Sexton, but it's but once you add an Andre Drummond, once you allow, uh, you know, the man an opportunity to have somebody else on that team who's going to get 10, 12, 15 boards a night, who's going to get those putbacks, who's going to set good strains, who's going to roll hard to the basket, it allows the game to just be simplified that much more. And I think that's why you see a lot of these other guys, um, their games are elevating as well. You know, it, taking that stress off of um, off of them is very key. And I, 
I think that's why the Cavs are playing at the level they are. But like I said, LeBron and AD with back-to-back uh, really good games. Alex Caruso uh, leading the NBA in uh, three-point percentage right now at 56.7%. So, you know, the Lakers, this Lakers team is playing is playing really good. Um, you know, they, they do pl- have a uh, showdown with the other number one seed in the East. Um, and the uh, 76ers tonight at 430. So that'll that'll be good. That'll be a battle of the like I said, the number one teams in each conference. The battle of the two front runners for um, MVP at the moment, and LeBron James and Joel Embiid. So I I, I think this should be a great one. Um, we'll see who has the better outing from both MVP front runners. Um, I'm sure that it'll uh, cement either one's case uh, for the next week or two <laughs> as to why they should be the MVP. But like I said, there's still plenty of season to play, but this game will be good. It's always good to, you know, play the best of the best, especially this early on in the season, especially on a tough seven-game road trip uh, that we already got the two uh, the first two out of the seven. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely good to play against the best when there's already – other adversity that you are facing as a team because it's only to make you better in the long run so very excited for this one on uh, monday night the wizards fell to three and ten which is last in the east uh, as they lost to john wall's uh, new team the uh, rockets 107 to 88 um during the game john wall and russell westbrook visibly got into it um but after the game, it, it was much uh, respect um, from John Wall's side, at least, uh, you know, saying that uh, Russ has been kicking his ass for years um, and he's a hell of a talent. And Russ just basically saying that, you know, I, I don't I don't talk shit. I, I more defend myself and I, I won't allow somebody to just say something to me. I'm going to say something bad. So I think, um, you know. It's definitely just uh, that competitive fire from both uh, from both of these players uh, over the years. We've seen both of these players, you know, be the dominant forces they are at that point guard position for a reason, and it's because they both play with that same level of intensity and drive. So, um, yeah, I, I like I said though, the, 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 unfortunately, the Wizards do fall to three and ten. Um, Russ uh, somehow, some way. He has 163 points this season total in his in the first 13 games, and that is coming on 163 shots. So if you <laughs> um, want to identify a problem, I think that is very very clear at the moment um, with uh, that. And then on top of Bradley Beal having a tremendous year, I mean, he was the sixth player in the NBA history to score at least 25 points in each of his first 12 games. Um, only a only a feat that uh, Rick Barry, Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, and Jerry West have reached. So, I mean, the fact that you have your, your two-guard playing at a level which puts him in the conversation with some of those great players I just mentioned. And then you have the point guard um, only having 163 points on 163 shots. I feel like that is just insane. Um, it's really sad to see this potential of Bradley Beal continue to be wasted on this lackluster Wizards team. This man deserves the match, 
He deserves a match. He deserves a chance to, you know, compete on a team that's at least in the playoff race. I'm not saying he needs to be playing for a championship right now because it's unfair to him. I'm just saying at least at least be on a team that wants to win, at least be on a team that's in that, you know, those top eight teams on, on either side. You know, I, I guess the reason I'm so surprised by the Wizards, you know, I wasn't expecting them to be like a number one number, you know, even a top three team in, in the East, but – I really thought that Russ reuniting with Stop Brooks could be good. Um, you know, you didn't really know how John Wall was going to come off the injury. Um, and they are third in points per game. But when you're 25th in defensive rating, it will never matter how much um, points you score because your defense is just that terrible as well as being 15th in turnovers. So it's definitely hard to capitalize on that uh, third in points per game in the league when you cannot even defend a soul. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm really, you know, I'm really surprised that at the moment it looks as if the Rockets got, uh, are winning this trade. Um, it, John Wall's playing at a great high level this year so far, and that'll only continue to get better as – um, you know, the rust continues to come off him and he continues to uh, get his body back in shape. I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't in shape to start the season. It's more more or less, you know, this man hasn't played basketball in two years. So he's still getting used to the game again. He's still, um, you know, just getting back into that into that feel of how a season is, how that grind is. So, like I said, it's only going to get better for the Rockets. I, I really love the way DeMarcus Cousins has been playing, uh, like I mentioned in the last podcast. And I, I think uh, they already had all the right pieces to begin with. You know, you have Eric Gordon, you have uh, P.J. Tucker, you have uh, Christian Wood. Shout out to Christian Wood, a UNLV alum, playing his ass off. Hopefully he wins the sixth man of the year, gets even more money. Um, you have the right – you have, a, you have a, a lot of pieces that are surrounding that John Wall and Boogie Cousins combo. Um that, you know, I'm not saying they're going to win the West, uh, but they can at least compete, you know. Who knows what can happen? I think uh, it's really good to see, though, for the Rockets. I think they were going through a lot with the whole James Harden drama. Um, not only, like, you know, him getting traded to the Nets, but all of the, like, all of the controversy that led up to that point um, with him going to the strip clubs and is uh his full so is his whole is his full focus on the team and you know yada 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 with you know how he's been treated and or you know how he's uh gotten you know more leeway than a lot of players there was so much in the Rockets organization and I feel like they're finally at a place where they're able to move on they also have Victor Oladipo so it's just like I really feel as if they are all playing to, you know, their highest potential, which the highest potential we've seen all of those players play at. Um, I think that team can be really freaking good, and I'm really excited to see what, uh, what the rest of the season brings and what the future brings for the Rockets organization. I think they have a lot to be looking forward to. Um, but... Yeah. Um, on to some NFL news. Um... The Chargers have officially uh, hired a uh, full uh, coaching staff. Um, obviously, not all the all the little positions yet, but the main positions. You know, Brandon Staley is our new head coach. Defensive coordinator is uh, uh, Ronaldo 
Hill. Our OC is uh, Joe Lombardi, and our special teams coach is uh, Darius Swinton, came from the Cardinals. Uh, in all honesty, I really – I think the biggest thing that I care about going into this year before I really talk about the complete change in coaching – um, it's just everybody staying healthy, man. Jesus Christ. How many fucking times are we going to talk about how good the Chargers could have been if we had all these guys healthy? You know what I mean? I don't understand what the fucking problem is. I don't know why we always get hit the most with the injury bug. Uh, you know, I, I know that the 49ers got it really bad this year. Um, and I, they probably got it the worst. I think they got it a little worse than us, but you know, there's, I feel like ever since those years of, you know, 2006 to 2009, that was just like the golden years of Chargers football. There hasn't been like a solid year where we haven't dealt with injuries besides 2018 when we went on. It's like, and then boom, we went on a 12 and four run that year. Like, you know, made it to the divisional round, did get smacked up by Tom, but it's like, you know, why can't that be every year? You know, some of these teams that never have injuries, never have to deal with that type of shit. I'm just so jealous, man. But I think that's definitely the biggest thing that I'm looking and forward to and hoping for this year. Um, but like I said, I really love this complete change of coaching. You know, I, I feel like there's been if there's been another issue that we've had in the past, it's still like holding on to certain um Coaches and position groups, you know, when we change a head coach, we still keep the DC or OC. Um, but I can't really remember uh, the last time that um, we've had a complete change in coaching. I don't know if – I can't really remember if there was a complete change of coaching when Marty got fired, when Norv got fired. But I'm pretty sure with Mike McCoy, we kept our guys – we kept a couple guys – I know for sure when Anthony Lynn got hired, we kept Ken uh, Wisenhunt and we hired Gus Bradley with him. So, or we might have, I think Ken might have came. No, I don't know. Um, I, I thought Ken was already, Ken Wisenhunt was already with us, but I'm actually really excited for this uh, complete change in coaching. Um, <coughs> excuse me. You know, I think that there's no reason that the culture of our organization um, you know, could make those little adjustments with these changes at coaching and we're competing for a championship. We're at that championship level. You know, we have way too much talent to not at least be in the conversation in the playoffs, to not at least be in that top eight, that top four, you know, competing with these, these, these um, teams that are making it. You know, the two teams that are in the Super Bowl right now, week two, I, I don't want to count week 17 against the Chiefs, but week two, we killed ourselves. Justin Herbert's first start as an NFL quarterback, that man almost beat the Chiefs. It came down to the Chiefs kicker somehow making three 58, 59-yard field goals in a row. So shout out him. Shout out Harrison Butner. Like, okay, like, good job, my guy. Week four, we go to Tampa, up 17 against this team. Somehow, some way, shoot ourselves in the foot again. That was definitely the Chargers, you know, st uh, storyline of the season. Uh, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, like I said, making these little adjustments at the coaching level, hopefully we got guys that are going to stay healthy this year. Those little adjustments can possibly help us win these games that we choked this year, you know, creating a culture that, 
isn't so lenient when we're up, isn't, you know, put taking our f foot off the off the gas and instead, boom, 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 keep attacking, keep in go mode. We have Justin Herbert. We have so many weapons. There's absolutely no reason we should not be on go mode 24-7 unless we're up 35 nothing with five minutes left. You know what I mean? So, like I said, I'm really excited for this new change of culture. I'm really excited to uh, see a lot of these uh, guys come back from injury and ball out. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, you know, I know the Super Bowl is like next weekend, but I'm really looking forward to what Justin Herbert can also, uh, give to us in his, uh, sophomore year. So, yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, also, um, addressed his, uh, comments from, uh, his, uh, post-game interview, uh, after the NFC Championship game, uh, where he said that he didn't know what his feature entitled, um, you know, if, if this meant this was his last game as the Pat, in a Packers uniform, as he said that, you know, he didn't feel like he said anything that he hadn't said before. And it was just him more coming to the realization that, uh, ultimately, ultimately his future is not necessarily in his control. Um, and that, uh, you know, he doesn't think there would be any particular reason as to why he wouldn't be back. But uh, as we learn year after year, and I mean, any, any you know, major league sport, you know, this is a business, you know, you never, you know, there's really very few certains and even those certains, I mean, Tom Brady left the Patriots this year, you know what I mean? Like, I know he didn't get traded or anything, but, you know, who would have ever imagined, you know, when, when Tom Brady won his sits uh, a couple of years back or... You know, even when they were on their first Super Bowl run, you know, you, you just imagine those type of guys as franchise guys, as guys that will never leave. So I think that's all Aaron Rodgers was saying. And, you know, I did watch uh, his 40-minute segment with Pat McAfee. And, um, you know, I think it really just came down to him uh, realizing, like he said, realizing that it was, one, the end of a season, the end of the grind that they had just been in. And two, realizing that there were a lot of, uh, you know, guys that you grow, you, you grow so close to um, that you possibly not, might not see next year. And that's, you know, these guys you spent, you know, if it, if it isn't just this season, you spent, you know, multiple other seasons with them, getting to know them, getting to know their families, you know, having meals with them, having, per, uh, you know, a personal connection with them. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, we have to put some of these, uh, you know, professional athletes in those settings uh, right after a very tough loss, right after a very um, just emotional um, loss and end to a, a season, an MVP season, a number one seed in the NFC season. And we ask them questions instantly, you know, what is your plans for next year? You know, like, He's like he just like he said on Pat McAfee's show, like he's just 15 minutes removed from crying with his teammates. Um, you know, that raw like feeling of fuck, like we're not in it anymore. Like, and now you're asking me what my future is like next year. Of course, he's gonna get mad. Of course, he's gonna get frustrated. I, I, I just feel like it's a little insulting to him and uh, the, the talent that he is to even do that shit, really. So, um, I definitely can see uh, where you know, he's coming from, um, but he, I, I think my favorite part of that whole segment was, uh, he did say that he has his, uh, MVP speech written, um, which, I mean, 
I, I, I have no doubt that this man is going to be the MVP. Uh, I think the numbers speak for themselves. 51 touchdowns, five interceptions, number one rated offense in the league. Uh, number one seed in the NFC. Of course, they didn't make the Super Bowl, but, you know, MVP is a regular season award. So I think he'll win the MVP, and I really think the Packers would be so dumb to let him go. You know, he's, I know he's 37. I know he's getting up there, but, I mean, Tom Brady's 43, you know. Aaron Rodgers just came off of arguably his best season as an NFL quarterback. And on top of him having his best season, it was the season where he – dealt with the least amount of injuries he's ever had. He started all 16 games. Um, you know, he's going to win the MVP. And he got hit the the um, least amount of times he's ever gotten hit. He only got sat, I think, 20 times, including the playoffs. So, you know, I, I just think the Packers would be very stupid to let him go. I, I could imagine him, you know, I'm not going to imagine him signing a five-year deal, but maybe signing a two- to three-year contract. Um you know, maybe maybe sign a three year to get him to forty, or you know, we'll we'll see what the Packers have in mind. But I I really think that at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers has a lot more control over his contracts um, than some of these other quarterbacks can have. Um, but I I'd just be very surprised if the Packers didn't want to at least, you know, even if he doesn't sign a two to three year, if he signs a one year contract, I would just be very surprised, you know. If the Packers don't even give him that, you know, you make the NFC Championship game two years back to back, you know, I don't think you need to uh, completely, uh, you know, throw in the white flag yet. You know, I'm not saying that there aren't a few small adjustments that should be made in order to get over the hump, you know, in order to get to that Super Bowl and possibly a second ring for Aaron Rodgers. But I don't think that it needs to be as dramatic as letting you know arguably the best quarterback of all time go and walk when he's 37 when he's coming off his best season as a quarterback when he you know what I mean when he's coming off his third MVP I, I just think that'd be stupid of them and I really really doubt it um but yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens with that um but you know in, in other news uh I actually thought this was this was interesting. Um, Tom Brady and LeBron are actually the only athletes in the past 30 years to play in 10 conference championship games um, as now. I mean, not conference championship. They, they're the only two players to play in 10 championship games as it's the finals in the NBA and the, and the Super Bowl in the, in the uh, NFL. And uh, that, may, that means that Tom Brady has now reached the Super Bowl in 10 of 21 of his 21 seasons which is a whopping 47.6% and that is actually higher than Steph Curry's career three point percentage which is 43.3 so Tom Brady has a has a better percentage of making the Super Bowl in his career than Steph Curry has uh with making threes i i just think that's absolutely you know absurd <laughs> you know what i mean i i guess said in the last one i feel like i'm over um, hating on Tom Brady. Um, I'm not, you know, really going to give into that anymore. I'm going to try to appreciate his greatness a little bit more. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, this Super Bowl is really about to be Jordan versus LeBron, you know, 
it has the possibility of, you know, being one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time. You know, these two quarterbacks have played each other four times, and uh, it's a split even, two and two. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see who's going to win this, you know, luxurious uh, fifth matchup between the two. You know, you have, you have the Jordan, and you have this up-and-coming guy. You know, this this is is he Kobe? Is he LeBron? Like when he was in his you know younger age, but you know it doesn't matter. This game is, it should be treated like that. That Jordan versus LeBron, that Jordan versus Kobe, that Kobe versus LeBron, even like that. It's just, it's just that game. That, um, you know, you have two of these quarterbacks that are playing at such a high level. You have both their defenses playing with such confidence because they know the guy they have as well. It's it's gonna be a great one, and I, I'm I'm excited about it. Um, and on top of that, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame committee uh, just announced who will be in the Hall of Fame for the upcoming year. And uh, Peyton's, Peyton Manning, uh, the length of the conversation um, for Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame inductee uh, was only 13 seconds. And even some guys uh, on Twitter were saying uh some athletes were saying that that is even too long i mean the resume speaks for itself there's no doubt that this man is a hall of famer are you kidding me first ballot if there was a <coughs> if there was a ballot that was before first paid manning would be on there i mean five nbps 14 pro bowls two super bowls with two different teams and i think uh the best uh accomplishment accomplishment of all was you know that 2012 combat player of the year where you know, the Colts just about gave up on him. Uh, he was dealing with that severe neck, uh, neck head injury. And for him to come back and play at that level he did in the 2013 year uh, with the Denver Broncos, where he, you know, starts the season with six touchdowns on Monday night. Um, you know, and he throws for I'm, – I'm, I don't know if that's still the record for most passing touchdowns in a, in a season. I'll have to look that up. But I know he did break it that year. Um you know, and that's after the Colts sucked for luck, and that's after uh, you know all the controversy went down when he when he did leave. So you know, just to prove himself um, that he you know still is that guy, still is that player, even after all the doubt, all the controversies, it's it's just remarkable. And uh, you know, the Hall of Fame is uh, lucky to have a guy like Peyton in it, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see. Uh, see him get inducted see his speech i know it's gonna be funny uh just like his commercials are and i think it'll it'll definitely um just be the that final cherry on top to his career so so yeah very happy for Peyton manning um but in music news um don toliver actually came out the other day and he said that it's almost that time um i'm 100 percent sure you ain't ready um he uh he came to twitter when he said that and he said he he just took time off to put some more time in. So uh, obviously Don Tolliver, um, I feel like my love for him definitely, like a lot of people, grew on that that Jack Boy that Jack Boy's record, and of course um, the follow up projects from him, which was uh, Heaven or Hell. I feel like Don Tolliver is already um, at the at a level in the music industry that far and few people are, um, he's already close to being a household name. Um, he's had um, very a very successful career in 
only the past year, really. I mean, his career hasn't even been that much, and he's already had a very successful career, in my opinion. And I only think that it's going to continue to grow for him. I don't know if this is the project that um, him and Chase B hinted at on Dot Wave Radio. Um, but I know for sure that if you are a fan of music, if you're a fan of Travis, if you're a fan of Jack Boys, Cactus Jack, or, you know, just a fan of, you know, good vibes, good music, this is going to be a project to tune into. This is going to be a project for everybody, you know. I, I'm excited for it. I, I think that he's he definitely took the music industry by storm last year, and he's only going to continue to to grow. So I, I'm really looking forward to what he's checking up. Um, but, you know, talking about people like Don Tolliver, who's, who came onto the scene and kind of just erupted in the past year, um, it's kind of it's kind of crazy thinking about uh, some of these albums that mean so much to me personally that are turning 10, 10 years old uh, this year. Uh, I mean, the list includes Drake's Take Care. I mean, you know, I don't even have the words to put into how much that record uh, means to me. And I know so many people around the world. I mean, there's a reason why it, um, it's been on the Billboard Top 200 for the amount of um you know, time that, uh, he, uh, has, and then, uh, you know, there's a reason Drake's been, been the artist of our generation for a minute, so, uh, the fact that that record is turning 10 is, is pretty remarkable, it's kind of like the, I I know, I I know he had nothing was the same, and I feel like nothing was the same, I mean, nothing was, uh, what's it called, uh, thank me later, I know he had, uh, thank, thank me, uh, thank me later, and, um, you know, that, that record was before Take Care, but, uh, you know, this was definitely the record that I feel like boosted Drake to stardom, and then You Got Nothing Was The Same, that kind of just cemented uh, just how big this man was going to be, so it's pretty crazy that that, that that run started 10 years ago. Um, that's followed with Tyler, The Creator's Goblin. Um, obviously Tyler has definitely shied away from some of his early, uh, raunchy rap, uh, talking about some of the craziest shit you'll ever hear on a record, um, with, uh, great, amazing, beautiful works of art in, uh, Flower Boy and Edor, but, I mean, Goblin started it all for Tyler, he created his fan base, he created his name and his brand on Future and everything else off Goblin, and, you know, as much as he doesn't like to talk about it, as much as a lot of people don't really like mention this album anymore, like this album started it all for Tyler. You know, I know he had Bastard, but I think Goblin being that first, uh, you know, that first studio album definitely pushed him and elevated him to another, another level. Uh, so yeah, um, that's, that's definitely another one. Uh, we had Kendrick said, uh, such an 80. If you haven't listened to such an 80, um, I don't know what you're doing. You know, I think Kendrick is uh, is finding his voice on this, but at the same time, he's not even rapping about some bullshit. You can still hear this story and um, the type of rapper that Kendrick is gonna. I mean, he is now, but he was gonna be on Section Eighty. You could already hear that in his voice, and you could already hear him barely even. <coughs> Excuse me. You can barely, you can hear him barely scratching the surface on this record, you know, and you can, you know, it's, I feel like, you know, if you listen to Section 80, 
it's not as surprising that he was able to make a good kid in Mad City uh, to pimp a butterfly. Even damn, you know, it's it's not that surprising that these, you know, arguably that, you know, one of the greatest three album runs of all time, all, you know, the concept of each of them are just so unique, so different. Um, I mean, but when I think the reason why it's not as surprising to some of these uh, fans that have been around, it's, you know, if you, if you listen to Section 80, it's like you knew something was about to come when Kendrick dropped next and boom, good kid, Mad City. So can't believe that Section 80 is me 10. Frank Ocean's Nostalgia Ultra, um, you know, same with same with uh, this project. I, f I felt like Frank was just scratching the surface and in you know, in simple terms, Frank is still kind of scratching the surface. What can Frank still give to us? Because every single project is so evolved, so life-changing, so just, you know, ridiculous. And you heard his potential on this project of Nostalgia Ultra. And, you know, it's it's a lot of these, I feel like uh, all these projects that I'm talking about right now, you could hear something in these you know, young artists, but now they're in, you know, their primes. I feel like you could, you could hear something in these projects that you knew that if you never tuned in to another album they dropped, you'd be missing out on something great. You were missing out on something that was, you know, forming right in front of your eyes. So, you know, we got, you got Frank, like I just said, you got Drake, you got Tyler, you got Kendrick, you had the weekend with House of Balloons. You got Jay Cole with the sideline story, and I mean, one of my favorites of all time. I feel like it's not talked about enough. Is Watch the Throne with Jay Z and Kanye. So yeah, some great work. Um, you know, um, I'm I'm really looking forward uh, to you know another ten year run from not only these artists but some of the artists that I've been listening to and getting to know more and more over the past couple of years. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Gino Spirito podcast. Uh, it was a lot of fun as always. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll see you guys on a Friday for episode 13.